we'll see how it goes. So um, as we've been looking at the Gospel of Mark, um, we've run headlong into the theme of Jesus as King of, with authority and his authority to heal, authority over evil. Um, and tonight we look at his authority to interpret the law. Um, and we see that Jesus has come under some scrutiny about his actions and also the actions of his disciples. And it would seem at first glance that Jesus and his disciples were not keeping the law. And so um, I asked a question this morning, do you think that Jesus should keep the law? Yeah? Good answer. And did he keep the law? Of course he did. Yeah, he kept it perfectly. Because he was a um, perfect sacrifice. Um, <clears throat> so in um, Mark 2.18 it says, Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And some people came and asked Jesus, How come John's disciples and the Pharisees are fasting but yours are not? And um, um, a little bit of reading and it seems that... Um, Fasting in the Old Testament was only commanded by God on one day of the year, uh, which was the tenth day of the seventh month. I can't remember what it was for, but it was the, the, the one time. Um, but in addition to this, fasting was often done in response to a grievous situation. Uh, one commentator says that God's people fasted frequently during the exile, and apparently at this time they adopted the practice of fasting in mournful anticipation of the new age. They anticipated, sorry, they anticipated the arrival of the Messiah and the new era of God's promised reign. Um, in modern times, you might fast when you're faced with a difficult decision or a difficult situation. Um, and fasting is kind of a self-imposed uh, gloominess as well as our self-denial. It might be food or an activity. or um, and, the, and the aim is to focus more fully on God. When you consider the circumstances faced by first century Israel, there was plenty to fast about. They were under the rule of the Roman Gentiles. Uh, an Edomite, Herod, was their local king. And they were oppressed. It seemed that they were a long way from the kingdom of God that was promised to David. The people were like sheep without a shepherd. They were waiting for their king, but where was he? No, this was no time for feasting. This was a time for fasting. But back to the question. Can you see the folly of the question? Tell me about it. Yep. Yep. Just expand that out a little bit. So I was thinking I was thinking of a wedding feast 
in biblical times that goes on for a week. And you've been invited to this feast. So you rock on up and you fast and you're gloomy for the whole week. It's not really a vote of confidence in the couple, is it? It's kind of um, a bit of a slap, slap in the face, really. Yeah. Um, and you're at this feast, you're at this wedding feast, but as you're sitting there, you realise you're not just the guest, you're the bride. And you're fasting. Mm. <laughs> the marriage is on the rocks before it even begins. So when Jesus talks about the bridegroom, he speaks of himself, as you say, Mum. He's our bridegroom and we're his bride. And that's why he says we can't, they cannot be gloomy. Does it say that there somewhere? cannot fast as long as the bridegroom is with him. Yeah. Yep. Um, but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and on that day they will fast. And we know that when Jesus died on the cross, that day his followers were very gloomy. But not now. Not at this point. This was a time for celebration. Jesus' disciples were feasting, not fasting. This was the dawn of a new era. Jesus, the groom, had come down to earth to rescue us, his bride. My next question is, who is his bride? You just told us. Hey? You just told us. Yeah. Yeah. So, just we, just, just, we are. just the <laughs> ten in this room? Or? No, no. Yeah, just the ten. <laughs> <laughs> All the believers? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll just slip back to the first verse we looked at, which was verse 17. I have come not to call, I have come not, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And I think it's, even though that's a, a verse that kind of sits with the previous passage, it leads into this verse and it actually means a lot, really, because. Um, everyone who thinks they are righteous is not. So I've not called to come. I've not come to call the righteous because, in in fact, there was no one righteous. We know that. But when you think you're righteous, that's what he's talking about. But I haven't come to call them because they think they're okay. They think they don't need me. I've come to call sinners. And um, I couldn't help but think about the Pharisees who thought they were righteous. And we all know that um, our own efforts to present ourselves respectable before God are totally useless. In fact, we know that we are so putrid before God that we need to die and be born again. 
we must be born again and filled with his spirit. Nothing can remain. We keep none of our previous deeds as righteousness before God and we keep none of our future deeds as righteousness before God. Tell me about the new wineskins and the new wine. You've jumped ahead a bit. That's the garment. That's the patch. What about the wine and the yeah, wine skin? Well, that's. Oh, but that's the next bit. <laughs> it's about mixing the new wine with the old wine skin. It'll surely burst open. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Reading the next yeah. bit. Yeah, I know. But it's the same yeah. principle. Exactly. Exactly. I know that. So, but what does it mean? Well, it's like being filled with the Spirit of God and not changing your, your actions. It's like you have, you've been filled with Christ and yet you still go about your sinful manner. You're surely going to crumble and burst wide open. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think... Um, also, there's, there's um, uh, where are we? Dun, 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 dun. Um, the fact that we must be born again, like like the old, like not not keep the old wine skin. Actually, be, 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 yeah. Well, we're actually born again. We actually the old. It has to die with Christ. And we get filled with the new wine, which is Holy Spirit. I was thinking of the, the cloth, the, the, what do you call it? The garment and the patch. That's what Sal was talking about. And the metaphor is that we need a whole new garment. We can't keep the old garment and just prime patch the sin holes mm. that are in the old garment. It's like wearing old, trying to keep the old faithful ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And so the whole lot must go. So to be born again, you can't just go, yep, I'm going to be the same person. I'll change my habits and I'll fix up these little bits. I move on. No, we must die with Christ. We must be. We must be raised with Him. We must be born again, as they said, as He said to Nicodemus. He didn't say just fix up the patches, fix up your. You got a little bit of a problem here, and you got a bit of a problem there, and you got a problem there. He didn't say that. 
Um, Isaiah 61.10 says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. It's not a patchwork quilt. It's a completely new robe. And we know there's more references in Revelation about the robes of righteousness and the people that stand before the throne and before the Lamb. And with this instalment of new clothes comes great rejoicing. I delight greatly in the Lord, it says. Um, okay, moving on. The second um, thing that we see Jesus come under scrutiny about is about what he does on the Sabbath. And his disciples picked some heads of grain. The Pharisees said, look, why are they, that's the disciples, doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered, have you never read what David did and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abba the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. What do you make of that? Well, for starters, they evidently were hungry, so regardless of what day it is, yep. you still have to eat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Jesus was stating that fact for starters. Yep. Yep. And then he said about the time that David went into the or well, got it into the temple and ate that food that yep. he wasn't supposed to eat. Mm -hmm. Mummy. So why did um, being hungry? Did, was that an excuse to break the law? Or was that actually not breaking the law? For David. Yeah. Well, for Jesus. Well, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, he just said. <laughs> <laughs> what about his disciples? Did he change the Sabbath just for that day so they could eat it? And so as I understand it, what the, what the Pharisees had done here is they'd, they'd put rules around rules, right? Mm. So when I was a kid, I wasn't allowed in Dad's office unless mm. Dad was in there. Right. Very, very clear. And, but the problem was is he had some pretty snazzy stuff in the office. <laughs> like, and I'm talking really snazzy. He had a digital calculator. 
<laughs> which was which was pretty snazzy at the time. Trust me. <laughs> Why? Like you could press the buttons and the answer would just come up on the screen. It was amazing. You didn't have to use a pen, a piece of paper, or anything. It's pretty cool. But if you went in there, you got a flogging. So for me, I, you know, like there's the door, you're in, that's not, go. you're out, that's okay, right? Outside, inside. But I'd sort of build in a bit of a buffer zone. I just go stand near the door because you could be thought, are you in or are you out? You could just get a flogging for standing there. So I built this buffer zone in to make sure I didn't go near the door. I stayed away from it. I stayed right away from it, probably for temptation as well. And so here the Pharisees are making laws around laws. Do you see that? They're saying, they're saying, you know, you've got to rest on the Sabbath, so we'll define rest. Well, you can walk a certain distance, but, but no more. Another couple of steps, and that's work. <laughs> okay? See the, see the sort of the similarity there? <clears throat> Um, as far as I, oh, well, yeah, there's probably there was a few uh, exceptions. Um, you could get your ox out of the well. Mm, they, um, they were there. Is that in the scriptures? Uh, in the scriptures, yep. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. There was a there was a bit of guidance around it. Yeah. Um, but what we see here is is Jesus interpreting that law, and and because he. He wrote it. He intended it. And as, um, I mean, the problem problem for the Pharisees is that that law was never intended as a means of achieving righteousness. Never. But that's what they were doing. They were trying to achieve righteousness by obeying this law. So they had to be careful. They had to build buffers around it and they had to be really careful that they were obeying the law. I used to I used to think um, initially that God designed us to live by the law, but then when He saw that He could we couldn't, He sent Jesus to die for our sin. But if that was true, wouldn't the law have been given to Adam at the beginning, and not Moses some twenty five hundred years later? And then in the meantime, you have Abraham who in Genesis 15, 6, believed the Lord, had faith, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So we know Christianity has always been about faith. It was never about achieving righteousness by, by obeying the law. And in fact, Deuteronomy 4.40 gives us a clue as well as to what the law was given and, and, and it links in with what Steph was talking about. It says, so that it may go well for you in the land. How, how are you going to live a good life? Here, here's my law. Here's, here's my rules for living. Here's, here's my nature. Here's who I am. Live in that. But if you want to use the law for righteousness, you have to be perfect from the day of your birth right through to the day of your death. 
And here we have the Pharisees having a pathetic attempt to do exactly that. And Jesus, in talking about David and his companions, I think is basically saying, my law is a really good guide for loving God and for loving one another and loving your neighbour as yourself. He's basically saying, don't steal, be faithful. Don't want what you don't have. Trust me in everything. Have a rest once a week. Keep the Sabbath. Um, wait for another seven chimes of the clock. Um, so the, the Sabbath is, is God's gift to man. And um, it's no wonder that Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man and not vice versa. Um, you know, God knew that man would worry and God knew that man would work and work and work because he would worry that he's not going to be able to provide enough for his family. God knew that we would bury ourselves in our work and to our detriment. So he says, here, have a gift. Take a break. So when the, the Pharisees tried to catch Jesus out in a technicality, he said, the Son of Man, that's Jesus, is Lord of the Sabbath. See, the Sabbath doesn't rule over Jesus because, as you say, Jesus made the Sabbath and he rules over it. So moving along to 3.1, um, the Pharisees are obviously not happy with this and in uh, Mark 3 verse 1, it says, another time he went to the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them, that's the Pharisees, were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. And then Jesus asked them, that's the Pharisees again, he asked the Pharisees, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Do you find it funny how the Lord of the universe who knows everything asks questions <laughs> that he knows the answer to? Why do you think this is? Yeah. Yeah. To draw out the truth. To draw out the truth. Draw out the truth, yeah. 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 And they thought a bit about it and then they said, oh, let's kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Because they were jealous, is it? Or because or, or he was smarter than them or because they didn't want their positions to be, to be you know, not... They're Lord of everybody, and here's this fellow coming along saying he's Lord. Mm -hmm. well, yep. I don't know yep. They had stubborn hearts. They had stubborn hearts, yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. Towards Jesus. Yep. And Jesus was challenging them. 
in the way that they lived. Yeah. By, by instead of trusting in themselves, I mean he was challenging them to stop trusting in them in themselves and in their own work. Yep. And trusting in him. Sure. Especially you come from the last chapter where he's talking about the Sabbath, and he's like, "So what? You've reached your maximum amount of steps for the day." Yes. You see someone beating up someone else and you're not going to go over there and stop that from happening. <coughs> like you're going to put your hands up and go, oh, no, I can't do that. I'm not working today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's kind yeah. of calling that to attention as if to say, yep. are you going to just do evil just because you need a break? Like, yeah. Clocking off. And yeah, clocking, clocking off. off and closing your eyes sort of yeah. thing. Like, yeah. Like it's good. It's like Jesus. Yeah, he's challenging them to the fact that it's got to happen like your relationship with God and your love for others happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just put put the question up. What's that step? Well, then you can clock off with your with your relationship with God. Oh, I've read the Bible for this much time. I'm yep. clocking off now. I don't need to do it anymore. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So I'll just go to the question, please, in the passage. There it is, verse 4. Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? Is that a hard question to answer? Shouldn't be. <laughs> it should be pretty obvious, shouldn't it? Like, it's pretty basic. Like, for someone who knew all the, all the Old Testament and all the laws of God, it's pretty much like one plus one stuff, isn't it? It's a really, really easy question to answer, but they couldn't answer it. Well, they wouldn't answer it. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't, because if they answered it, if they say, do good, then their charge against him for healing on the Sabbath is null. Is null. Then they've got nothing. But if they say, do evil or to kill, then they've broken the fifth commandment, do not kill, whatever number it is. So they're kind of in this bit of a... It, it's a really, really clever question that Jesus has asked them. And I think there's a double a double edge, could even be a triple edge, there's a double edge to it because he knows their intent of their heart, which is to kill him. And he's saying, you want to kill me on the Sabbath? Yeah. But you won't let me heal this, this hand. Yeah. Hello. Pretty amazing. Yep. 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 So they, they went back to the drawing board and away they went to see how they might kill him. Exactly. Yep. Are there, is there any other points that you draw from this passage? Of you, I'm going to heal this man. Like, you know, he's 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 um he's he's showing that showing him his power and authority over them, mm-hmm. but if I just go ahead and doing it, mm-hmm. what why was he angry? Hard heart, because hard, hard, not love, not love to neighbour or love to God. 
Yeah. Sinfulness. Yeah, because of his repulsion of sin, yeah. righteous I mean, anger what are you doing yeah. like you know you know what god has called you to yep and yet you've put too much of yourself in front of that yeah mm. yeah i'm uh, always amazed when jesus heals people with uh those kind of deformities because <coughs> uh, you think of all the 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 muscles and the tendons that form up in the hand and the bones mm. and stuff and you think in those moments of when he just says stretch out your hand and this guy's got a, a withered away hand, a shriveled hand, and then all of a sudden Jesus just says, you know, with a few words, stretch out your hand, mm. and it's completely restored and fully functional. He didn't even say be healed. No, no, exactly. <laughs> he, didn't, he, didn't spe- he, didn't speak, he didn't speak to the hand. He didn't. Yeah, like, <laughs> Actually, yeah, that means like something else. I find somewhere. that yeah, super impressive, like, just to see Jesus' authority. Mm. And this, this is not just getting over a headache here, is it? No. It's a pretty phenomenal healing. Where does where exactly does it say exactly where the man was? You said he's on the edge of the temple or something. Um, I don't think it says. Ex- he went in another time. He went into the. Synagogue. Oh, it's in the synagogue. In the synagogue. Not in the temple. Yeah. Okay. In the synagogue. Yeah. Um, why was Jesus uh, back up to where he was angry, Sal? Up, down, whatever. Um, whoop. He was dis. He was in anger, and why was he distressed? Because he knew what they were thinking. Yep. Because mm. they, they probably really didn't look like they did anything wrong outwardly in that uh, situation. Yeah. Like if you're a bystander, you didn't look like you done anything wrong. Yeah. Mm. Distressed in the fact that they. <coughs> They were they were the ones who knew the law, who were teaching the law, too, and that they were they were leading people astray, mm. basically. Mm. Yeah, I think he was, and also the, leading people astray, but also that they themselves mm. preferred. To be against God, 
than to be for God. Like, and, and then their punishment, like that's distressing for Jesus. He, God takes the pleasure in the death of no man. Yeah. Okay, so um, the obvious question for us is, and, and warning, I guess, is are we like the legalistic Pharisees, preferring to hide behind a rule or a tradition rather than admit our own sinfulness or confess our disobedience and rely on him totally for forgiveness? Do we do this? Do we criticise others in their failings, meanwhile hiding our own sin and pretending to be righteous. Because when we read this sometimes I think it's easy just to go, yeah, those, those Pharisees, they were terrible, weren't they? Like how bad were they? They were shocking. <clears throat> um in, in concluding, I thought that um, you know, Jesus' authority to interpret the law is in quite a few places in Scripture. Um, if you hate your brother, that's murder. Um, it, it, yep, yeah, lots. If you lust after another woman, that's adultery. Um, uh, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets says Jesus. Love God and love your neighbour. I think on the one hand, you know, Jesus gives the commandments such life and meaning and you love them, you know, like it's, they, they're good, aren't they? They're just, they're what you want to be involved in. You want to receive that love. You want to receive that. that um. But on the other hand, he makes sure that we know that we cannot in our own strength obey even one single commandment. Mm. Makes yourself feeling self-righteous. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So you just got to think about it. Yeah. 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 Where you stand. And so you throw your white flag up and you go, yeah, no, I need Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. From start to finish. And that's, I think, his point is to make us realise that we need him every step of the way. And, yeah, we need to run like a child into his loving arms, trusting that he took every sin to death on the cross and fully paid for our redemption. And he sits beside the Father, pleading on our behalf. The sin that Rob committed today is paid for. And the sin that he's going to commit tomorrow is also paid for. And because of Jesus, we have no condemnation for any of our wrongs. But he gives us the Holy Spirit to guide us and to help us to live in the righteousness into which we were saved every moment of every day. Any other thoughts or questions?